Humility, um, like many of you mentioned, we just constantly need to remind ourselves of it. And, um, and it never seems to me like in my personal life, if I, it never seems to fail. If I get to thinking a little too highly of myself, something will happen <laughs> that puts me back in my place there. And, uh, and then I just remember that, that humility and not to falsely elevate myself or, or think too highly. And it's, and it's a good thing. And, and it's good to be able to, to relate and have empathy for others as well. But I can remember um, uh, as a younger man, though, uh, after I lost my job as a teacher, and I always go back to this time quite a bit uh, because I was teaching and young and healthy and newly married, and I was the head football coach and all these things. And, and when I lost my job, uh, I remember the word on the street was that our school board and our superintendent, they were getting rid of all the dead wood. And uh, so I quickly made a list of who the dead wood was and, and who needed to get, <laughs> who they needed to get rid of. And then when I realized it was me, it was very, very uh, humbling. And I really struggled with that for, for quite some time. Uh, but after I did lose my job, I, I, I picked up another one working for Badger Backhoe. And it was a guy in our church. Uh, church named Daryl who ran a backhoe company and he was just a master on the backhoe and, and I worked in the ditch while he while he ran it and I was always usually working by myself moving dirt around and then Daryl was up in the backhoe well we uh, put a bid on a really big job in town putting down several blocks worth of new sewage line in, in Meeker and so we got the bid and the job was big enough that it would require that we had to hire at least one more person uh, to work in the ditch with me. So, so Daryl, he hired a, a kid who had just graduated from high school uh, named Joe uh, to help me out. And so here I was feeling kind of low and I'd lost my job and, uh, and I'm working, working in the ditch. <laughs> And Joe shows up and he's a, Joe's a, a former student of mine. And I taught him in seventh grade English. And Joe actually flunked my class and he barely graduated from high school. And so here are the two of us working together in a sewage ditch. And Joe, he was just a happy go lucky guy. And he never had an unkind word for anyone. And every morning, I remember we'd show up at that ditch and Joe would say, hello, Mr. Pascal. And that even struck me as funny. That was my pride that I'm, I'm hopping down into this sewage ditch and, and this young kid is calling me Mr. Pascal. And it, it just always struck me. And he'd say, hello, Mr. Pascal. And I'd mumble because I wasn't happy to be there. And I'd say, hello, Joe. And then we'd crawl into that ditch together with our, our hard hats on. Well, since I was older than Joe, and I was also his, his former teacher, I was the one who kind of oversaw the work that we needed to do in this sewage ditch. And we had to maintain this constant 3% grade in the ditch. So it required us to take all these measurements and do some calculations and move dirt around to get that constant, constant slope. And then once we got it down, we'd lay down the pipe and, and, and reconnect everything. And we had to move very quickly because Daryl, who was working the backhoe, he would uh, shut off and he'd plug the sewage line. And we had about a minute, minute and a half to get everything fixed. And then we'd move on to the next section there. 
Well, while we were, I was trying to figure out, make all these calculations and figure out where we needed to add dirt and, and take dirt away, I got confused with the math. And I couldn't think, and, and I started to panic. And I can remember Daryl uh, poked his head out of the back backhoe there, and he, he looked at me, and he said, hurry up, Craig. He goes, I can't hold back to sewage much longer. He says, you've got to hurry. And so I panicked even more. And then Daryl had to let that his backhoe go there, and all this sewage, raw sewage, just poured into the ditch and just basically covered us up from head to toe and then joe he yelled at me says let's get out of here mr pascal let's get out of here and so we crawled out of that ditch and daryl luckily he was a good-natured boss and he was laughing at our predicament (laughs) and so he was cleaning everything up and, and joe and i were just waiting for things to get okay so we could get back in the ditch again and while we were waiting. Joe said, uh, he asked me, he said, Mr. Pascal, he said, can I do the calculations now? And I was thinking, what? Joe wants to do the calculations and do the math. And I was thinking about how he struggled in seventh grading. I I was thinking, Joe can't do this. And I thought, well, I'm not having much luck either. So uh, I said, sure, Joe. You can try it out if you want to. And so Daryl got everything cleaned up and digged out the next section of ditch. And and Joe and I, we hopped back in there. And Joe started making, once Daryl got it pretty close to the grade that we needed, Joe started making all these calculations and he took over. And he said, Mr. Passel, you need to add three inches of dirt here and take two inches of dirt here. And he was just telling me what to do and making these calculations the whole time. And I was the one moving all the the dirt around while he did the math. And we finished that section quickly. We had a perfect grade. We laid the pipe down and we even had time to spare. And we didn't have that sewage shower on us as well. And I was thinking, how did Joe do that? How is that possible? How could this kid who struggled so much in school be so much sharper than me when it came to doing this work and making these calculations. And it was really humbling. And that was when I first saw Joe and his humanity and and the gifts that he has and that we were really equal. And in many ways, he had a lot of gifts that I did not have as well. And Joe, it turns out, was really a, a great leader. He was very patient. And he was very humble. And we spent the next three weeks working together in that ditch. And Joe made all the calculations from there on out, telling me where to put the dirt and where to take some dirt off. And never once during all of that time did he said, I can't believe you can't figure this out, Mr. Pascal. Or I was always expecting him to say, are you sure you got a college degree, Mr. Pascal? Because it just doesn't seem like it. And he was really very humble. And he opened up my mind and my heart to that gift of humility. And Roberta Bondi, and I could actually show it in case any of you are ever interested. This is a great little book. It's called To Love As God Loves. 
And it's about the early desert fathers and, and, and mothers. But in this particular book, she says that love is the goal of our faith journey, the love of God and the love of neighbor. And what makes love possible is humility. When we have humility, it opens us up so we are able to love one another. So how humble are we? Does that can we recognize when that pride or that arrogance uh, sneaks back into our thought processes or in our, our prayers? Because without the gift of humility, we, we become more like the Pharisee, who is pious, he's very responsible, and he looks down upon everybody, and he judges them as inferior to himself, and he is far superior. And his prayer is, thank God I am not like other people. Thank God I'm not like those adulterers and those rogues and all those people. Thank you that I am not like that tax collector in this church with me. I am so good. I am really good. And Father Rollheiser says, I would guess that 98% of us, when we hear this story, of the Pharisee and the tax collector, that we nurse this feeling and we say in our minds, thank God that I'm not like the Pharisee. I've done that many times. I might be a little bit judgmental, but thank God I'm not as judgmental as that Pharisee. And if we do that, then we are him. We are exactly like him. So when we pray, or do we pray, and think like the Pharisee. And this is the real challenging part of this story. How often are we like the Pharisee? How often do we have the humility of the tax collector? Some of our prayers might be, God, I, I know I have a temper, <clears throat> but thank you that it's not as bad as Tim's temper. <clears throat> Or when you think about the house I grew up in and how what kind of temper my, my dad has, I'm sure glad I don't have a temper like him. <clears throat> or God, uh, I know my wife and I that we get in some fights and some disagreements, but thank you that we don't fight as much as Carrie and Bob. Well, at least the police don't come to our house when we have a disagreement. Thank you, God, that we're not like them. Or we might pray, God, I know our kids aren't perfect, but thank you that they're not in jail like our neighbor's kids. And we pat ourselves on the back and we falsely elevate ourselves at someone else's expense. Rollheiser says <clears throat> that pride is forever sneaking around our defenses and keeping humility at bay. And when that happens, the judgment and the intolerance fills our hearts instead of empathy or compassion and love. And when we have that judgment, it separates us from one another and it divides us. As Brad said, we don't recognize that other person as a fellow human being on that same walk that we are on. And so what is the answer? <clears throat> How do we get out of this vicious cycle of always judging 
in devaluing other people. And it just kind of happens spontaneously within our thoughts. <clears throat> and Bondi says, no one is in a position to look down on another human being from a superior height. No one is in a position to look down on another human being because we are all vulnerable. We are all limited. And we each have a different struggle that only God <clears throat> is in a position to judge. And our creator <clears throat> says, you are my beloved. You are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Live a good life. Find that common bond. And if we have that gift of humility, we have greater understanding and empathy for others when they fall, when they sin, or when they, they mess up. And the monastics always used to say, when they saw someone who had erred or had fallen or sinned, they would say, he today, me tomorrow. They understood that that could easily be them. So instead of judgment for that person, they had empathy. Or if we see someone who's having a difficult life or a difficult time and they've made some mistakes, we can also, if we really examine ourselves and we're honest, we can say, I have done that. Or I could see myself easily doing that as well. <clears throat> and we have that compassion. I think about <clears throat> just our relationships and if we've ever been in a long-term relationship or in a marriage and, and it falls apart. And think of how we, we treat people when their relationship is in trouble or they fall and we start gossiping. Well, if we've been in that long-term relationship, we know how difficult they are. So instead of the judgment or the gossip, we might have empathy instead because we've been there or we know that we could easily be there ourselves. So how do we respond to the gift of God's grace and God's mercy? Do we respond with judgment and condemnation for our brothers and sister, sisters, or do we respond with empathy? And can we also hold each other accountable with grace and patience and kindness? because we've been there ourselves, because all of us need God's mercy and God's grace without exception. Every single one of us need grace and mercy without exception. So maybe we can all just take a deep breath when we find ourselves getting on that high horse. <clears throat> and we can take a deep breath and help each other step off that horse because it's also very lonely and miserable up there anyway. So my prayer is that we can just give thanks to God for Christ's grace and mercy and the gift of humility, which draws us together, that we can see each other's dignity and let us continually move from our self-righteous judgment to a shared empathy. Because with humility and that gift of humility, we discover that indeed we are all one. Amen.